For the longest time, I secretly wanted more. I often found myself shrinking to fit in, settling for what was comfortable, and even selling myself short. Once I finally accepted that we deserve success and we are blessed with the power to achieve it, I stopped playing small. I'm serious about building a life I love and you should be too. I'm Denise Taylor of DeniseTaylor.live and welcome to Life, Love, and the Pursuit of Happiness. I help women prioritize themselves, their success, and their happiness. Let's meet this week's achiever whose story will inspire you to push past your fears and soar. Well, hello. I'm so excited that you tuned in to today's episode. Every episode is a great time of sharing a story of inspiration and success to encourage you in your journey. I believe that when we hear the testimonies of others, we are indeed encouraged in our faith and our fortitude. And so today's achiever is a beautiful person inside and out. It is indeed my pleasure to introduce you all to Aisha Loveless. She's a friend of mine and she has been in love and on this love journey for a long time. So of course, today is about love. We're going to tap in and hear about her journey of growing together in her relationship. And every relationship demands so many different things from us, but I think that you're going to notice the success superpower of holding fast to your faith in Aisha's story. We all need a rock to cling on. And when you're in a relationship and you are essentially growing up together, it is faith that sees you through. So take a listen and see if you hear that superpower the same way I did. Well, today we have Aisha here on this episode of Life, Love, and the Pursuit of Happiness. Aisha is a beautiful person inside and out. Her lifelong experiences cover so many different things. Like we could get on here and talk about just about everything. But today we are going to talk about relationships. For those of you who don't know, I am the founder of the First Wives Club. I founded the First Wives Club in November of 2019. And at that time, I wanted to begin to honor wives who were committed to their relationship. And so immediately the next month, December of 2019, I started what I call the Wife Spotlight. And Aisha was my very first spotlight. She and her husband, Latif, are great friends of mine, but they're also inspirational. And so I wanted to bring Aisha to the table today to talk with us about her love experience so we can unpack and get some wisdom from her relationship. So welcome, Aisha. Thank you for having me. Yay, I'm so excited. Yes, yes, yes. And I can't wait for everyone to tap in to what's underneath all that beauty. So Help us a little bit, introduce yourself, and tell us a little bit about your family. Sure. Well, I just want to say one, thank you, Denise, for having me today. Um, I really appreciate you. I appreciate your, you and your husband. Um, and I glean off of what you guys do as well. So thank you. Thank you for being an inspiration to us. Um, so a little bit about who I am. Um, my name is Aisha Loveless, as, as Denise stated. I am um, in, I live in Rock Hill, South Carolina currently, um, but I'm a transplant from New Jersey, born and raised. Um, so we've been in the Rock Hill, South Carolina, Charlotte area since 2013. So seven years so far. And we absolutely love it. Um, it was God ordained for us to move here. Um, and I will get into all of that <laughs> during our session. But I have been married for 18 years to my amazing husband, Latif Loveless. Mm -hmm. And um, I love him so much. And uh, my children, I have a 21 year old son. I have a, he lives in Myrtle Beach. He's a massage therapist and a bouncer of a club. And um, my 17 year old daughter, who's a junior in high school with aspirations of being an RN. And I have um, a six year old um, model, uh, actor, entertainer here in Charlotte. 
Um, so I am also her momager. <laughs> and um, so I am excited to tell my story um, for however long it takes or whatever details you get out of it. Mm -hmm. I'm excited to be here and um, I'm ready to go. That's awesome. So recently we had a little getaway trip to celebrate Aisha's birthday. And I discovered that her husband literally rolled up on her. Okay. And so Aisha, tell us a little bit about your love story and how it has just blossomed from the beginning. Well, like, look, look, you ain't got to take us year by year, but tell us how it blossomed from the beginning and really has been an integral part of your life. Yes. Um, I, you know, we can be here all day talking about our booze, but <laughs> um, I met him at a very young, ripe age of um, 19, um, junior in college. And it's so it was crazy how it happened because um, I was on my way to an internship um, in Atlantic City and I wasn't looking for a husband or a boyfriend at the time. I was just driving through saying goodbye to my best friend, going to her house. And he came out smiling with the smile that he has. That's a million bucks and all tea, all tea. And I was like, Oh my gosh, who is this guy? You know, cracking jokes, making everybody laugh. And it's so funny because, um, we went to the same middle school together. I had no idea who he was. He had no idea who I was. And I just, he was always on a disciplinarian list because you would hear his name on the loudspeaker every morning for in-school suspension, but I never knew who he was. So, but it's funny because my brother, my older brother hung out with his brother, but it just wasn't meant for us to meet at that time. It wasn't in our whatever cards or in God's plan for us to meet at that very ripe age of, I don't know, 14 years old. So fast forward to um, 19 and we met there. And the moment I met him, the moment I saw him, the moment I started talking to him, I knew that he was special and that he was going to be my husband. I just knew it. And um, from that day on, he treated me like nothing like a, more than a queen. Mm -hmm. And um, my first date was a dozen roses opening up every door. And the gentleman that he still is today, he still opens my doors to the car like everywhere we go he will still open the door so um that's just who he is and I knew he was special so yeah oh, that is so beautiful um and he definitely has a heart of gold and um I, I just love seeing your love alive for one another now even though it had its essence of fairy tale that does not mean it was easy and so working at love takes commitment. It takes our desire to be in love and to stick with love. And so one of the things that stood out to me when you kind of shared your wife wisdom is you said you describe yourself as a student of love, respect, and honor. Help me understand more about what you mean there. So we, well, I don't, I don't even want to say we, I want to say me, right? I... Um, had to learn one to love who I am in order for me to love my husband right mm -hmm. um, and it's a constant journey um, to love to respect each other to honor each other um, so once I learned how to love Aisha mm -hmm. unconditionally Mm -hmm. And I've always, you know, loved myself, but it was just, you know, it's a different type of love and respect for yourself that you're not going to just take anything. You're not just going to accept anything. Um, you are going to have standards and to have standards for yourself means that you also have standards for the person that you're with because they have to see the standard and, and the God in you. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I'm a constant learner of what it means to love, love my children, um, loving my parents. It's not just my, my spouse. It's just a, it's a constant, every relationship that you're in. Um, we're not, we're not born to learn, um, you know, how to treat people. Um, we learn that mm -hmm. and through life experiences. So respecting and honoring comes with that as well. 
And if you don't respect yourself and if you don't honor yourself, you cannot do and honor somebody else, especially your spouse. You know what? It's so amazing that you say that and that it begins with that because many of us don't really discover that until we hit that rough spot, right? And everybody got their rough spot. And then you begin to realize, you know what? This is more about me than it is about the relationship that I am. One of the ways I love to say it is we got to be willing to grow personally in order to soar relationally. And I do mean that in the context of your love relationship, but you are absolutely right. It impacts how you are involved in every relationship, whether it's with your children or with your parents or with those uh, other family members or friends in your life. And so discovering that is not something that's innate. It is not. We, we are taught to be selfish. We are taught that it's about us. But one of the things I love and I've discovered is that love is about sacrifice, yeah. right? And, and sacrifice is not you at all. It's about what you're willing to develop and grow and experience so that you can love. And that's all about growing up yourself. That's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, yes. And so you mentioned uh, in your story, you guys married really young and you guys had to grow up together. And I could definitely relate to that because Chuck and I married young and we had to grow up together, which is a completely different experience than growing up and then marrying. When you get married in your early 20s, you think you've grown. <laughs> but you're not grown. You think you're grown, but you're not grown. And so because you guys met young, you married young, what stands out about that experience of growing up together? Oh, gosh. One is, um, first, I had to realize that we weren't born in the same family. Mm-hmm. We, you know, didn't come from the same experiences before we met each other. So it had to be um, learning who learning that <laughs> my thoughts weren't his mm-hmm. and my beliefs weren't his mm-hmm. and um, we're two different people. Mm-hmm. And that was a learning process because in a, in a marriage you think, okay, well, you just going to do what I ask you to do and you're going to believe what I believe. And that's just going to be the end of it when they are individual people themselves mm-hmm. and growing up with him, we had to make mistakes together. Mm-hmm. And we had to figure out, okay, so, and it, it's, it, it wasn't easy to say, I'm going to make, we're going to make these mistakes or these mistakes are made, but we're going to try to get through it together mm-hmm. and resolve it together. And that was the growing up part because you're very, very immature in that process. And you're seeing what's in front of you at the time, not in the long run. Mm-hmm. And as young children, I will say we were still children we were in our early 20s, buying houses and having kids. And, you know, we still didn't learn, you know, how to maintain jobs and how to deal with our credits mm-hmm. and deal with finances. And we're still learning all of that together. So with learning that together comes mistakes. Mm-hmm. And it's how do you get through those mistakes? Mm-hmm. And how do you resolve those mistakes in the way that I did that? was leaning on mentors, leaning on people who were in marriages, leaning on my pastor, leaning on people who had that, um, that experience and been there and done that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it takes a little bit of, you know, lessening your pride to ask somebody for help. It does. It really does. Um, Because we want to look like we got it together and we want to act like we got it together. And sometimes we are fearful, prideful, um, resistant to asking for help. And I love that you pointed that out. One of the things that's real key, though, when you start looking for mentors is you need to check their resume. And you need to check what they're telling you, not by their words, but by what you see manifesting in their lives. Because a lot of people can tell you things, but they haven't really put it into action. Not that it's not wisdom, but when someone is sharing with you something that you see them living out as an example, then by you, you got a you got a good one there that is behooving that you listen to. And that's awesome that you called out the importance of mentors. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some things that you were looking for when you identified these mentors? Like give me like two or three things. Oh gosh. I was looking for a family atmosphere. 
Mm-hmm. I was looking for, wasn't just the, you know, saying that you are a happy family, but when I walk in your house and I see your children hugging you and I see, you know, you preparing food and your house is clean and, you know, you and your husband embrace each other. And so it was, it was more of my um, pastors at the time, which is our, also our aunt and our uncle and seeing their love for each other was um, exactly what I wanted. And my parents too. Mm -hmm. Um, My parents, my stepdad and my mom have been married, what, for 30 some odd years. Mm -hmm. And so seeing that how my dad took care of home and seeing how my mom took care of what, you know, her role and and as a wife, and we'll get into that too, you know, mm, (laughs) and submitting, but um, seeing that and, and seeing the response and feeling the love between, and it's so key that you said how, you know, it's not just words, it's what they actually do. And you can feel that, you know, there's a discernment. And even in a, at a young age, you know, what's right. You know, what's not, you know, what's fake. Yeah. And, and so being able to discern that at a, at a young age and knowing, all right, this is how I'm going to implement imp- it. Like, you know, just design my marriage after, you know, copy my marriage after this is what I want it to look like. Mm-hmm. And being open to that challenge, because mm-hmm. a lot of us, uh, you know, I, I know like personally when disappointments came or frustration came, it seemed like I had options A, B, C, and D. And D was always divorce. It, it didn't matter what the issue was. It was like, we could do A, we could do B, we could do C or D, I could just get a divorce. <laughs> and so it really wasn't until I removed that divorce option that real solutions started to happen. And one of the things I say is you got to stop wanting out, right? Because if you leave that option on the table, one, it's going to just illuminate to you, like, you know, lure and flirt with you as a strong potential when you really have other good options for addressing whatever was necessary um, to meet whatever that issue was. And I am so happy for you that you had those examples, because like for me, I didn't have those immediate examples of families that, you know, I grew up from, uh, I was surrounded by a bunch of independent women, right? And, you know, I came into my marriage with a lot of independence because that's what they kind of showed, right? You know, and that's what they exhibited and that's what their experience being unfortunate. Many of them divorced at least once, some more than once, right? And so it loomed around me. And thankfully, I, like you, was able to find mentors that was the example that I needed. And I had the willingness to listen to them when they would tell me something, because a lot of times when people tell you something, you, you come back with, but you got a, but for everybody, but you don't know, but you didn't see, but you didn't, you know, like you got a, but they would give you some wisdom and you got a, but, and you have to be willing to accept it. And I love that you were able to get that for your, from your family. But even if it's not your family, you can still get it from a pastor, even if it's not your uncle, you can still get it from other people in your lives. And so I love that you mentioned mentorship because that is so key and getting help is key. My grandmother always said, <laughs> it's one thing to talk to yourself, but when you start responding, that's a problem. So I, <laughs> you know, I'm not the type, I will all day long ask for help. Mm-hmm. And I'm not the type that say, okay, I have the answers. I have everything I need. I'm going to lean on somebody who has, who is doing it and who's being in a better, who's in a better position. So absolutely. That's awesome. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Now in your writing, you talked about fasting and praying and communication and trust were key. Now let's unpack each of those because they all have a different dynamic. You know, there's also a spiritual element, you know, to it. And I agree with you, you know, either you're going to get something that you're willing to submit to that's a higher power than yourself, or you're going to do some crazy stuff and start acting out real crazy because you don't have no standards or balance. So I agree with you that there's the necessity for you to subscribe to something. Now, I know in my case, in your case, we subscribe to Jesus, right? But I do believe that 
you need to have something that you believe in that you have hope in to steady you and that's where fasting and praying comes in so help me understand how the relationship with god was a benefit to your day-to-day marriage yes 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 so and i like the way you put it because not everybody believes you know not everybody so everybody believes in something but they might not believe what i believe in but Fasting, I believe, you know, it, it, it took me a while to get to that point where I was, I under, even understood what that meant. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't understand that there's results from, from, from praying and fasting. And, and, and when I say fasting, and for those, you know, for anyone who um, has a different religion or what have you, fasting is, I believe, in every religion. Mm-hmm. And it's in every um, belief system, I believe, because it's a detox. It's a, it's a getting rid of, um, you know, the, the byproducts in your body, getting rid of thoughts, getting rid of clearing out yourself and, and getting back to ground zero, um, to a place where you're at one with you and God Mm -hmm. and getting rid of the clutter. Mm -hmm. And I had to do that. I had to, you know, get rid of the mess that was inside. And that was just you know, just being rude and mean and having something to say and, you know, just not, it's just, it was just messy. I was messy. So I had to get rid of all of that. And then allowing God to speak to me and allowing God to, in prayer, um, hearing his voice and giving me direction, clear and concise direction on where it is I need to go. And you can't have that when you are full of yourself. So you have to get rid of some things. And once that comes into play, pray. And then praying for others, praying for yourself, praying. And so in this case, I prayed for my marriage. Um, I prayed for me to see my husband as my husband. I prayed for me to see him as the man in the house, because that was very blurry. Um, Like you said, being independent, you just don't, no, I can do this myself. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's not, you can't, <laughs> if you want to make it work. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, being able to ask God to just allow that to be something that I see mm-hmm. and allow him to be the man that he is going to be in our family and our lives and all of that, just all of that praying for me and praying for his soul as well. Cause God put us in our, we are helpmates. Mm-hmm. We are here to pray for our husband and our spouses and and so that's what, that's what, that's what that was all about and sacrificing. Um, and when it comes to the communication piece, oh gosh, that's, you know, that's a lot to unpack and communicating was more of listening than communicating than talking. And so I had to learn how to shut up, sit down and shut up. And that, that took a lot. <laughs> Because I was, I always had to have the last word ever since I was a little girl. My mom always had to tell me, dear Aisha, you do not always have to have the last word. Yes, I do. And so I had to learn how to listen to him and what he was saying and not always win that fight. Mm. And not always, you know, have to communicate my thoughts. Because mm. sometimes he ain't trying to hear what I have to say. So I just want to sit back and listen to what you have to say. It'll come a time where I have, I'll get my point across, but communication is a two way street. It's not just me talking, you know? So I had to learn how to listen. Oh my God. You said so much (laughs) that I can relate to. I felt like it was my life flashing before me because I had that shut up moment. Hmm. I had that moment where God was like, shut up. And I heard it loud and clear loud and clear and I was like (laughs) you know I had that moment where I was getting in the way of what he wanted to do and so what God was trying to do in his life was being deadened by me just on top of it pouncing and so I can 100% relate to that moment Um, because you're fasting and you're praying and you're asking God to intervene and you're asking him to do these things, but you got to be willing to pull yourself back and not overpower. And a lot of times we do that with communication. I love to say that communication makes your relationship, but it is the very thing that can break your relationship from so many different respects. And so 
I can relate. I had that shut up moment. And once I heeded and was obedient to it, I saw things turn around in ways that my words could have never, never have penetrated. And so that is wisdom. That is a hundred percent wisdom from people who are on this journey of wedding life, (laughs) right? To tell you that there is a point in time where communication is not you winning the argument. It's not you getting the last word, but it does mean that you may need to listen. And I also heard you say, choose your battles. Oh yeah. Because you said that it didn't mean that I always had to press in and make my point. And so that, is so priceless. I also love what you did is you demystified fasting and praying because for some people, those sound like spooky words. (laughs) They do. That's just the reality. They sound like spooky words. And just simply put, fasting, like you said, is decluttering, is getting the noise out of the way, is putting something aside so that I can say, I'm not doing this because I want to hear and set up the channel so that it's open between me and God. It's just that simple. But we hear these biblical terms or we hear these terms that make us go, mm, I don't know if I can do that. And right. if it's something that you long for, that you desire, and you put it aside for the purpose of getting clarity and yeah. focus, then that's all that fasting is. And so it's not as mystical and praying, like you said, is just the conversation with God. And we just said conversations go both ways. So it ain't me just talking, but it's me listening too. So those were great. Now you also mentioned trust. How is trust built and how is it fortified? Oh gosh. Trust is built. Oh gosh. Through adversity one. Right. So there's a, there's something that, that happens. We may not want to get into everybody's situation, but there's something that causes the distrust because we go in trusting mm-hmm. and then something may cause a distrust. Somebody lies. Somebody says something that ain't right. You know, they, their actions don't speak to what they're doing. So you lose trust. But building that trust and fortifying that trust and put in making sure that trust is strong is through action. Mm. And so... I don't want to hear you say, I'm sorry, or I won't do that again, or, you know, let's make these plans, but don't fall th- go through with them. Mm-hmm. Trust is, I believe you now because you are showing me that you're not going to make these mistakes again. Mm-hmm. And I think as women, because um, we're so sensitive and, you know, we, our feelings are all involved and all hurt, we can't get over that pain. You know, we can't get over the pain of, of being hurt. But, um, you know, one thing that, that happened in my marriage was a financial distrust. And that went both ways. And we currently, you know, we came from a financial situation where we went down. <laughs> And I had to trust my husband in the leadership role um, and allowing him to be the head of the house, which took time because if they ain't acting like they want to be in the head of the house, we ain't going to give that to him. I'm sorry. That's where I'm at. (laughs) But he showed me that he can do and be that man. And so I started trusting him even more with finances. I started trusting him even more with making our decisions. Mm -hmm. We currently live in like a mini mansion now. Like I can't even, and I'm I'm not a boaster and I'm not here to talk and brag about what I have. But when I started trusting his decisions Mm -hmm. and knowing that this was the man that God had put in my life and knowing that he can make good choices, Mm -hmm. I had to trust that process in order for us to see what can come from it. So, so yeah, that's, that's where I am. And I know, you know, the longer we stay together and the more years we live, there's going to be more, more circumstances that require me to trust him even more and him to trust me. Um, you know, so it's just an ongoing thing, but yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that's powerful because you had to find the power within yourself to trust him again, because that financial infidelity, if we could call it that, went both ways, right? 
there were things that he did that discredited your trust in him with managing finances. So when you say trust again, you kind of like, I'm going to put myself out there. I have to see you making the decisions in accordance with what you're telling me you're going to do and what needs to be done. I put it to my husband like this. I need to make sure you got me covered, right? Like the provision that you are bringing to my life, I need to make sure that there's no void, there's no gap that you got me covered. And I can look at that with like a certainty that that is in place. And when you have that erosion occur, it has to build back over time. But what you said was really key it's in the doing, yeah. right, that builds my trust. It's yeah. not the promise because a promise had been broken. And so it's in the doing that builds the trust over time and it helps you to recover. And that is in any kind of break, right? Yeah. In the case that you guys are talking about or we're talking about in this instance, it was around finances, but any kind of break in order to rebuild trust in that area, it's the doing over time that shows you you can trust it again. You know what that takes effort on both parts. Right. And if that situation comes up again, mm-hmm. which decision are you making? Whether it's infidelity, whether it's finances, whether it's whatever drugs, whatever it is that are that's in a marriage, if that situation or circumstances comes up again, how are you going or how is that person going to make that decision? Mm-hmm. And if they're showing consistently that they will pass that test every time, that's when trust is fortified. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And you know, we all eyes when it's time for that decision to be made again, because we already got the baggage and the wound and the scar from before that says, pay attention right here, right? Mm -hmm. And so when those moments come up again, it's a critical moment, right? Because if you don't handle it with the right decision in that moment, not only do you topple from what that decision impacts, but you have just rip the scab off of that prior wound that was there as well. And that is why when those situations occur again, it's so deadening, right? When, when someone is repeatedly going through those same circumstances, it's not just what happened in this one moment. It just unpacks everything that has happened before. And so when you are on a path to rebuilding trust, your efforts are around every decision that you make because you are really making or breaking everything you built up to that time. It's almost like every scab gets ripped off and it doesn't matter if this was the first time you had to show trust or if it was the 10th time because all of that is still there. And so it's very important that when you're on that recovery journey, right, from whatever that break was, that there is the consistency because that consistency is what's going to help fortify the relationship getting restored. That's all good. That's, that's good. Okay, so now I happen to know that you and Latif, you guys have a very different dynamic to your weekly structure. Now, COVID changed it a little bit and brought my brother home for a period of time. But the reality is he is on the road, right? He spends a lot of time on the road. So trust in your instance has a whole different dynamic than those of us whose husband is in the bed with us every night. You know, because Latif, he was leaving at the beginning of the week and he was coming home at the end of the week. And he truly was present on the weekend with you, which adds a whole different component. So tell me about that. He's home on the weekends under normal circumstances. And um, how is that managed and how have you made that work? Because you guys have done that for years. That's not something new. 
Right, correct. Um, when we moved down here, we well, we started before we moved down here. So in Jersey, he was traveling. Um, he was actually in California in his first contract. And just a little background, my husband is a medical consultant. So um, he manages uh, hospitals across the country um, in the Department of Sterilizing um, Instruments. And so he had so many different contracts. And so one contract was in California when we moved down here. And so he was going for three weeks at a time. And I wouldn't see him until unless he was home for one weekend um, in a month. And at that point, I had a baby. I had all my kids at home. And it was just me. And my mom helped tremendously. But it was still that um, hardship on me because, of course, parenting, everything, taking care of the house, something broke, I had to fix it. So it was all on me to take care of home. And I, I, think, and I started to resent him. I started to have anger issues against him and that did not help mm -hmm. and i did not allow him to come home knowing that he would be comfortable without having an argument over something or anything because now i need somebody to yell at mm -hmm. so i took it upon myself to try to do some research on women who deal with again that mentoring thing and it wasn't in the form of a person it was in the form of an article that i read and so I tried, to, I, I needed to see what was his life like? What, where, where was he mentally, physically when he was away from home? Mm -hmm. And I found an article that talked about seeing the other side of it, which was he's not eating healthy because he's eating out every night. He doesn't have a home bed to be sleeping in. He's in a hotel, a different one, every week, just about. Mm -hmm. He's seeing, you know, he's dealing with work on top of all of that. I am too, but he's doing it alone. And so I had to change my perspective on it. I had to see it from his perspective. He's away from family. He don't have nobody really to be around. He's at the work, back into the office. Sometimes he's working 12, 15-hour shifts. So he was stressing from that. And then he would come home to a stressed-out wife. And that was no good. No good. So I started to tell him, I appreciate you for sacrificing your time away from the house. I appreciate, and I realize that you're not out partying every night. You're not out having a good old grand time because you're working. And I didn't realize that. And so me starting to realize what he dealt with changed my attitude when he came home. Mm. And I started to make it more home for him when he would come home. He would love to come home. He couldn't wait to come home. Then there were some job changes and he's in a job now where his first request with the job that he's been, he's been with them for about three years though, but his first request when he came back to that job was, I need to be home every week. I need to, that was an ask that he had to have because he didn't want to have me home by myself. And that's because he has such a given spirit, but he didn't want me to be home by myself and I didn't want him to be away all, all week long, every week. So they granted that to him. And as a director, he's able to come home every weekend and be home every weekend. And so, you know, we talked every night, FaceTime, thank God for FaceTime. Um, so it wasn't a loss from seeing each other and being with each other. It was more of like distance grow, makes the heart grow fonder. And being away from him, from each other was a uh, remedy that our marriage needed because the longer we were up under each other, it was more things to argue about. So having that space and time, and we started seeing it that way, because when we saw each other, it was on and popping. Like, listen, <laughs> not to get graphic, but you need that. <laughs> you need that distance. And so it was good to have that time and space away from each other, and we started seeing it as a positive more than a negative. Aisha, that is so <laughs> precious. I, I, it really is because I will tell you, I just recently had a conversation with someone and the circumstances were very different, but what was brewing was resentment. And I was able to tell them, you, you got some resentment brewing. And if you don't deal with it, it's going to turn into bitterness. Yeah. And what you exposed is that one of the ways that you fought against falling into the trap of resentment is really taking a different seat at the table. Right. Seat you had been in was what about me? 
Mm -hmm. You know, you're away from me. How has this impacted me? What does this mean to me? What do I have to do is me, 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 me. And, you know, imagine if you will, we're at a dinner table and there are like eight other seats. Okay. And you got up and you moved to a different seat and you said, this changes my perspective because it helped me to understand there is more impacted with our dynamic than just me. And it helped you to see things from his perspective, which opens your heart and made you figure out how to love in a different way. And I think that that's huge because it doesn't matter what the situation is. And in your case, it was him traveling and it was him being away from work. We all face so many different situations, but the heart of it that brews is resentment. And if we don't deal with that by possibly doing what you did, which is taking another seat at the table, seeing things differently, not just making it about me, exposing my perspective and understanding how it's impacting him, and then coming in as his helpmate to say, you know what, babe, when you get home, I'm creating home for you. When you get home, I'm making it about you. I'm about to sow into you. I'm about to pour into you. And that was, I can only imagine how that was a catapulting change for the dynamic. And it made him want to be home. Yes. It made him say, you know what? What y'all offering me, I got another steak that needs to be on the table and I need to be home every week. And it was the, best dynamic but it caused it only came when you chose to change your perspective and to see things from his vantage point and that is a huge misconception because I used to spend a lot of time on the road too and you think because I'm away that I'm living this glorious life, but I could relate 100% to what you <laughs> described his life was like. I yeah. literally went to work. I literally went and got something to eat. And I literally came back to the hotel and went to sleep. And it was never good sleep, right? Mm-hmm. Because I'm telling you that first night when you come back home off the road and you get in your own bed, that is the best sleep, the mm-hmm. best sleep. And I'm t- I was on the road week after week. And that, that first night home in my own bed was the best sleep. So it's never fully comfortable. You're living out of a suitcase. And so I think you taking the time to really see things from his perspective is really key. But I love how you fought off resentment, girl. You, you, that's boss. That's boss move right there. That's good stuff. For real, for real, for real. And, and, and you know what? You do that when you are truly, truly in love with your spouse and, and that you want to make it work. If you are at a point in your marriage where you're giving up, where you won't find anything that's going to cause your argument to be justified, it's, it's, it, there's no out. You know, there's no, there's no way to resolve that. Um, so I had to, I, I have a, I, I, I am blessed beyond measure to have a husband that I can say he is my husband. He is my spouse. He is the man that God has ordained for me. Mm-hmm. And once you find that, you know, and you find a man that is, again, we're going to get into the leadership part of it, but you find a man that is the leader, um, of the house and you, res- he has the respect for, of that role then yeah, you will do what you need to do to keep and to make home home. Oh girl, that was priceless. So here we go. The other thing that stuck out to me when I read what you wrote up in your wisdom was you said you are giving him space to be a leader at work. That is, that is so huge, especially if you're married to someone who has those aspirational dreams. They have those career goals. They're, in achieving that, it takes a degree of commitment that far exceeds just going to work. If you want to excel in career, it takes committing above and beyond deliverables, above and beyond work ethic. And I love how you said you were giving him space to be a leader at work. Now, that makes you think of things in a different way. Help us understand, understand more about that. 
Well, one, if he's not a leader, then we're not living the life that we're living. If he's not bringing home those checks, then we can't benefit from him being a leader. Mm -hmm. So I have to allow him the time and the space. Even when he comes home off the road, he's working. He comes straight into the house in a meeting, going straight to the office to work. And I have to give him that space. I can't be jealous of time. Um, and I, you know, I, I play with him often. I'm like, oh, you're always working and everything. But he'll easily come back and say, if I don't work, we don't eat. And that's the truth. I work too. Listen, I have a job too. I, we work too. But I, allowing him to be the leader that he was already in, in, in his spirit to be, I have to allow that to flourish because one, he's happy. You know, he's happy with the leadership role that he has at his job. It's stressful. Yes. I'm the sounding board all day. If he has a problem, let's talk about it. Let's get through it. And then he'll go back. But I have to allow him that space to grow because if he's growing, we're growing as a family. You know, we're traveling, we're getting things that, you know, it's a financial blessing to us coming from where we were to where we are now, <laughs> not allowing that to stifle, allow him to, you know, and he wants to go back to school by all means, go back to school, get your degree. I got mine. You know, so I'm, a, you know, a, and I won't even say allowing him to be the leader because that's like as if he's, you know, a child or something like that. But it's just giving him the space to be that and not being upset with the time that it takes away from me. Yes. And, and I think the thing that goes along with that, right, is we can get jealous of that time the time mm -hmm. commitment and the time demand, if we don't understand it, mm -hmm. place value on it or respect it. And I love one of the things you said is that he loves it, which means it's a desire of his. And so when you come against, you know, within certain reason, right? You know, when you come against what it is he's working towards, you're coming against what his dreams are and what he's aspiring to achieve. And that's not what you want to do. You don't want to place the gauntlet down to say, choose this or choose me. That's not the role that you want to play. If you feel like you are not getting what you need, then you need to talk about what you need, right? So if you feel like you need more time, if you feel like you need more attention, if you feel like I need a date night or I want to make sure there's dedicated time for me, instead of speaking against the efforts that are being put forth in that vein, thinking that a reduction of that is going to equate into more for you. That's one of the biggest misconceptions <laughs> is we think if he stopped working over here, that that's just going to immediately translate into more time for you. And it may not be the case. The bigger thing is to talk about what it is you want or what you need, what you desire, what you feel is missing, as opposed to speaking against the efforts that are being put towards the livelihood of your family. And so I imagine that you guys keep the fire burning by spending time different ways, doing date nights and things like that and prioritizing um, his availability. And I know for myself, like even recently, you know, I'm in grind mode, right? Trying to make a lot of things happen. I went to my husband and was like, you know, at the beginning of each week, we need to identify a day that week where we both can come up for air and be committed to time with one another because so many days were passing by and the grind was real on both of our respect. And we get to the end of the week and I'm like, you know, we didn't spend time together. How do you guys prioritize that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, and then throwing, throwing Miss Journey, right? Throwing a little person. <laughs> So, <laughs> you know, we, we have to work around her. We have to work around us. And yes, every weekend he comes home, we know that there's, that's time for us. That's our family time. Mm -hmm. And I may have, you know, plans, but it's not an all day thing. I know I'm gonna come home to him. And I know that if it's, if it's not a movie night with COVID, it kind of, you know, definitely put a, a halt to a lot of outside things that we would do. So, you know, we don't go to restaurants as much. Um, I, I cook a lot. I love cooking. I love making meals for him. So we do that. We eat around the table. We talk. We do movie night. Um, so we spend family quality time. Mm -hmm. And our time together is pillow talk. You know, we, when it's time for us to go to bed, we're sitting there and that's when we just talk and we just have, and you know, my husband's a comedian. He, everything he says is supposed to be, you know, funny. So... <laughs> 
So it it is it doesn't hurt that you know he comes up with the funny things all the time, but mm-hmm. just having that family time together, you know, is what we is what we love and enjoy, even though he's away. It just makes it all the more better. That's awesome. And and I just challenge everyone to prioritize that. And if it's not happening again, go back to talking about how you feel, what you need, um, so that it can manifest itself in the right ways without you you know, putting your tongue and discrediting something else because you just think that that is consuming. All right, now let's talk about Aisha. All right, so when you think about your own personal journey, uh, and you think about everything that you face and you've had to overcome, like describe or summarize that for me. What would you say is the story of Aisha? Oh, goodness. This was a hard one to answer um, because I never really considered a journey for me so far. You know, I, I just, you just kind of navigate through it, right? You just kind of do it. So I, that was a hard, this is a hard one for me to answer. Um, because then I first initially I started to thinking about my flaws and I'm like, no, that's not what we're talking about. Then I started thinking about my career and I'm like, ah, not what we're talking about. But I guess if we were to um, pinpoint some things, one, my 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 father, I, I lost my father at a very young age. Mm-hmm. I lost my father at um, the age of 19. He died of AIDS, mm-hmm. and um, and he was my daddy. Like he was my everything. Mm-hmm. I even, I look kind of like him as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when I lost, and I always had my stepdad there, but we didn't have a, a mother, a, a father-daughter relationship mm-hmm. as strong because mm-hmm. um, my dad was still around. So I would say growing, looking for a daddy mm-hmm. to be my husband mm-hmm. was something that was um, not good. Mm-hmm. because you can't, I guess the journey, and if we are going to talk about it from a marriage perspective, mm-hmm. would be trying to have my husband as my husband and not as my father. Mm-hmm. And because we, as women, sometimes we, we're looking for that daddy to take care of us. We're looking for that father to be that father figure in our life. Mm-hmm. And even though, you know, he, and I look at my children and say, okay, well, they're so blessed and lucky to have their father like their blood father to take care of them, to be with them. And I had a father figure, you know, I, I, he, and to this day, he is my father figure, but also, but having that father, that dad in my life mm-hmm. was something that um, I tried to fill a void with, with having little boyfriends and all these relationships and all of that stuff. So I guess the journey was finding a spouse that was my husband who, um, allowed Aisha to be happy with who she is Mm -hmm. and allowing me to try to find my, my purpose, Mm -hmm. which is a continued journey. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And he's, it it sounds like he's not afraid of your greatness. He's not afraid of your shine. He's cheering you on and he wants to see that for you. Um, you know, a lot of us suffer with the daddy issues. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie. And, and it's, it's amazing how we try to fill that void in very unseeming ways, right? Like you, at the time, you had no idea that these are qualities that you were drawn to because of this particular void. Now, on the other side of it, you can look back and see that you were trying to feed into it a different way with different relationships. Um, but we all have that. And people do knowingly make that mistake. And some people are unknowingly making the mistake where they're looking for that in the relationship that they're having with their husband. And I don't need you to be my daddy, right? right? I I need you to be my husband. And I would reckon that as you grew in your relationship with God, Mm. that perspective probably shifted and normalized for you because he was able to come in 
and satisfy some of the voids that were there. But, you know, at 19, when your dad passed, it probably isn't the same as where you are now. And it's morphed over time in, in developing your relationship with God. That That's powerful because it's a lot of people who suffer from that. And yeah. hopefully they can find the balance um, by developing the relationships in the right ways, because it's a little twisted to think about being in a relationship with your dad in the same way that you need to be in a relationship with your husband. But the reality is there's a lot of people who, who are drawn to those characteristics. Yep. So what did you, what do you wish you knew that you might, help somebody else. So, right. If you take yourself back and you've been able to get through that, what do you wish you knew then that might help somebody else? Ah, that was a good one because I I went back to where I was mentally. Mm -hmm. And when you're going through at a very young age, um, just changes in relationships and being a mom and, you know, being a wife and having a household, the the one thing that I would say is it doesn't let like bad times do not last forever. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a moment in time. Mm-hmm. It's a moment in this continued timeline. Mm-hmm. And when you're in it, you're just like, I, this is too much. I'm just going to go crazy. Mm-hmm. But if I can go back and tell Aisha, it's going to be okay. You know, I would do that. And that, and that's and that's what we don't see when we're young. We don't we just see the here and now. And I say that because I talk to my son all the time. Who's twenty one, and he's like, and I'm like, "Where's your five year plan?" And he's like, "Well, you know, they don't think five years out. They think about tomorrow, you know." And so I would go back and say, "This is just a moment, a blip on the timeline of Aisha's life. Mm-hmm. You will get through it." Mm-hmm. And you just gotta gotta work. Gonna, it's gonna take some time. It's gonna take some work and some effort, but you're gonna get through it. That's awesome. So, that, mm-hmm. That's priceless. Mm-hmm. I, I wish I could tell myself that as so many different interviews <laughs> right? <laughs> oh my life, like girl, just chill out. Like just chill, <laughs> just chill out. <laughs> All right. Well, you have been fantastic. Okay, and here we challenge everyone to build a life they love without apology. And we close out with what I like to call the LLH questions focused on life, love, and the pursuit of happiness. So I got three quick questions for you. What life wisdom, life wisdom, would you tell your younger self? And maybe that was just it, what you said. Did you have anything else? You actually said it, um, which was lighten up, you know, like don't take it so seriously. Don't be so stressed out. Mm-hmm. You know, I have, um, you know, I have high blood pressure now, which I'm on medication for. And it was, it's hereditary. It's because it was also with my son. So it just never went down to its normal level since mm-hmm. I was like 27. Mm-hmm. So um, it, it's not something that, you know, and stress doesn't help. And so being stressed out at a very young age mm-hmm. and just carrying that stress over, I'm, I'm less stressed now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's stress, but it's less stress. I know how to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And it's just like not taking everything so seriously. Mm-hmm. Lighten up. Mm-hmm. Chill out. Breathe. <laughs> yeah. Mom had to tell me to breathe. Like she had to literally say, find your space in your house and breathe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't know how much taking a deep breath, inhaling and exhaling will do for you, your bloodstream, for your, your heart, your mind, all of that. That's awesome. What love wisdom would you tell your younger self? Oh God, love wisdom. Jeez. Um, just love. That's it. I mean, I, I've always been a type to love everything about everybody. Mm-hmm. So I guess it it wasn't it, the evolution of love will continue to change. That's it. Cause I just love, I love, 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 love. I love everybody. Mm-hmm. I just love the word love. <laughs> and I guess some people can't stand that. You know, some people are so negative, like, or some people don't have that self love or knew what it was. And then if I'm loving on everybody, mm-hmm. they'd be like, why are you so extra? And that's just who I am. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just love. That's it. That's awesome. That's awesome. Put it into action. Yeah. And then finally, what wisdom would you tell your younger self about pursuing happiness? So I would say 
that um, it's not a fleeting feeling, happiness and joy. I will talk, I will kind of say that they, it's a constant feeling. Um, you have to find happiness in every little thing. You know, you look out to the sky, you see the birds, you see the clouds. You just got to find the joy in everything you do. Because mm. if not, then the only the other opposite is finding negative in everything. And I use, I mean, I, I grew from being a pessimist and I always saw things. And um, my business partner, Harriet, teaches, teases me all the time about seeing my cup half empty. Mm. And that's where I came from. And I'm constantly evolving into seeing the joy and the happiness in everything. Mm. Um, so it has changed definitely perspective over the years. It's awesome. That it, it is, girl. I know this sounds so gross. I remember re- looking at this sermon and TDJ says, if you go looking for a booger, you can find one, right? <laughs> <laughs> but it's so true, right? If you go looking for a flaw, a crack, it, you can find one. But in the same vein, if you go looking for joy, you can find joy. If you go looking for something good, you can find something good. It's very important to make sure that we don't skew our perspective to just that negative angle because it's not enlightening, it's not encouraging to see it from that way. And so stick with the joy, stick with the love, like you said, and lighten up. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. This was awesome. Now, I told you it was going to be a great conversation, and I am so pleased and thankful for Aisha's authenticity and transparency in sharing with us today. I believe her story is an encouragement to everyone who has to face love and all that it brings to the table. I hope you were encouraged, and I hope you heard how holding fast to your faith is increasingly important to you being successful, especially in the area of love. Now, thank you for tuning in, and as always, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and share. Here at Life, Love, in the Pursuit of Happiness, I believe exactly what the word of God says. He said he did not give us fear, but he gave us power. And I want you to always embrace your power and go. I'd love to hear your success story. So please send me a comment. Look for me online and let me know how you're thriving each and every day. Well, that's it, beautiful. Thank you for tuning in. Don't ever forget that you truly deserve life, love, and all the happiness your heart can hold. Be relentless in building a life you love without apology. I'm Denise Taylor, and you can always find me in our free Facebook community. Life, love, in the pursuit of happiness, easy to find. Now, if you want more information about my success superpowers, as I'm sure you do, download my free success superpowers ebook at denisetaylor.live forward slash podcast. And one last thing, always embrace your power and go.